Well, hello. Tonight, uh, Jerry O'Connell here. We're going to look at one of those tricky problems that can cause people to feel a little bit stressed or maybe indifferent. The question is, is there really a heaven or a hell? And does that matter? A statistic that's sobering as much as it's true says that 100% of people today die. That unfortunate fact means that there are some things in life that we cannot be certain about, like what happens after. Well, can we be certain or not? That's an interesting point. But... It's certainly a question, and I wonder if it's a question that you've ever given any thought to. You probably have, and you probably have pushed it to the back of your mind because you feel it's a bit negative. You'd rather get on with the process of living, who wouldn't? But on the other hand, if I said to you, in two weeks' time, obviously COVID uh, not being the, the, the background to the situation in two weeks time you are going to be travelling to a different country and uh, your flight's booked reservations have been made and I give you the date and the time that you'll be picked up from your home or whatever and taken to travel the question is once you have that information what will you do with it well, if you accept the truth of the plan, if you like, you'll prepare. You'll pack a bag, cancel some appointments in your diary because you won't be in the country at that time. And you'll probably think about the day that you're going to go and how that will work out. And certainly you'll, you'll, you'll tell your closest ones that you're going to be traveling now that being said when it comes to this question of death the problem is we kind of don't know when that day is or when that hour is it's a bit like birth nobody knows exactly when you arrive here but obviously when you do they quickly update their plans so I'm really saying to you that whether you like it or not, that statistic, 100% of people die, means that we ought, ought to give some thought, some time to that question. And in a way, I think that's what we could do tonight. Hope, hopefully in, a, in an interesting way, maybe an entertaining way, but certainly also uh, a factual, real way, an honest way, if you like. We could come to terms with that and maybe think about what the implications of the fact that we may die one day might be. So, for instance, 
I'm someone who's got some health issues. I've been told by my government that during the COVID crisis, I've had to shield because I'm at a higher risk should I get this virus. And my understanding is people who do get the virus, who are at high risk, certainly early on in the pandemic, didn't stand a very good chance of surviving. And hence, we've had a very high uh, mortality rate. So obviously, that would make one think, well, hang on a minute. Given that there is a chance, maybe a slim one, that you won't be here after the pandemic is over, should you not think about making some preparation for that? Or certainly be at peace with your maker or come to terms with that fact. And I would say, if you're in my position, you've done that already, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, obviously, it's something you should address. Right now, let's have a piece of music. And uh, I'll speak more about this subject afterwards. And uh, we'll let the music roll. So this piece of music is a song I wrote after having gone to the funeral of a dear friend. I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral, but at my age you tend to go to a few. And it reminds you of your own mortality and also of the the gap, the, if you like, the hole that's left when important relationships or even acquaintances and friends go, you, you kind of feel the space is a bit uh, more empty, but also it, it causes you to think about what's important to you. So anyway, this song is really called Farewell to Penny, who's a married to a friend of mine and tragically she suffered an illness. But uh, when I wrote the song, I just felt sadness because of the loss and also the feelings that we all shared, but also hope, because I knew Penny was a Christian who had a very great belief in heaven, and that's where she believed she was going. Uh, I agree with that. So here's the song, Farewell to Penny. Thank you. 
farewell to Petty. Well, we were talking about the subject of the fact that 100% of us are going to die and what happens next. Some of us think nothing happens next, uh, that in fact that is the end and we might call those people atheists or probably agnostics, people who aren't sure either way. Uh, and then there are those of us who believe that there is an afterlife. But then the question is, well, if there is nothing, then obviously that is it. Uh, and a lot of atheists are quite proud and a bit smug, if you ask me, about the fact that, well, when you die, you just rot and become a pile of manure. And that's okay with me. Well, I don't think so, because most of us, when we go to a funeral, we remember the fact that, my goodness, if that, if that's, if this is the end, the final, final end of your life, and there is nothing after, how, how tragic that everything is meaningful to you right now is actually meaningless. But actually, that's that's wired into our DNA that we believe most of us are honest about it that there is an afterlife that the bit of us that we call the body is a bit like a suit we put it on but it's not the real us the real us the personality if you like and the spiritual side of us is something that inhabits the machine that we call the body which obviously gets less and less functional as time goes on but I digress so what are the popular beliefs from those of us who believe that there is an afterlife well, when I was a, a young person in the, growing up in the 60s, a lot of people were rejecting Western values, Western Christianity and Western culture. And they were traveling out to the East, Asia, and trying to find out what people over there believed because maybe they had some ideas that... Uh, we, we could learn from and uh, that's the, the popular myth well what we learned was there are plenty of people who are prepared to come up with something and take your body off you they were called gurus uh, particularly from India and uh, so they, they were often these what we now call cults where people would join an ashram or whatever and chant Hare Krishna and try to become a, a a pseudo-Hindu or something. But the basic belief of all Asian religions is something called reincarnation, where they believe life is, is not uh, just a one-off event. It's a, a, a dying and a rebirth and a dying and a rebirth. And depending on how you were morally speaking, 
you would come back either as a toad or as an angel or something, you know, or a butterfly. Uh, so these were the, the ideas that reincarnation sort of gave people. But of course, there was no way of proving that. One of the, the functions of that was that, uh, for instance, in Hinduism, pretty well any, anything that's living becomes uh, an object of worship because it could be your your grandfather or something. You know, that's that little rat that's running around your house every day. We don't uh, obviously want to trivialise it, but to a certain extent, that that is how that particular belief system functions. That there's a great focus on worshipping ancestors or remembering ancestors, perhaps, but with the Vedic scriptures and all the Hindu stuff, it's pretty obviously uh, a bit mixed up. And the the thing that we must say that's quite important is that not all religions, if you like, are the same. And there is a difference between what you believe. Uh, and so when you try to compare religions, it's good to try not to link them because they're a separate group of beliefs and they've come from different parts of the world where they started off from a different point perhaps which brings us to uh, you know things like tribal animism where they, they have a great belief in forces of good and evil in some kind of battle uh, and particularly with animism the idea was if you could appease the bad guys, maybe they'll let you live, uh, which is where witch doctors come in and they convoke a terrible price to live in fear and anxiety because of the threat of curses and so forth. And some of my friends who travel widely in places like Africa say, you know, these are real, real uh, forces and they are terrible uh, bring terrible bondage and, and, and uh, depression and evil into people's lives. So not a lot of hope there for a, a positive afterlife, especially if uh, if uh, the way they carry on in this life is uh, anything to go by. So then that leaves us with history, to go back through history and see if there's anything historically that looks like the real deal on explaining what happens after you die and you know what kind of afterlife is there and how just like a journey a holiday whatever you could prepare for it or you know avoid the negative consequences of hell you know if there is an afterlife and if there is some kind of justice, even natural justice, you would expect the people who'd been bad, uh, particularly those who we think of as really bad, like Hitler and committers of genocide and stuff, you'd expect there to be some accountability. And you'd expect that somewhere there would be a way that really good people, whoever they may be, uh, could have the reward of somewhere nice, like a heaven. Well, uh, again, popular myth, especially the movies, tend to uh, basically come up with this idea that surely 
everybody will end up in heaven, wouldn't they? I mean, God would have to be a very nice person. Uh, uh, or uh, or God would be uh, uh, a very uh, complex person. If he banned anybody from heaven, uh, wouldn't he want them all to go there? Well, the problem is that uh, when you look at uh, uh, the things that people do, the wrong things people do, you realise that there, there needs to be some form of assessment or justice. And uh, so one of the popular beliefs that people have, uh, historically or otherwise, is that somehow that the way to find, uh, if you like, a reconciliation between crimes and punishment or justice is that it should be some kind of day of judgment where just after you die, you're ushered into the courtroom and you're voted on by somebody as to whether or not you are good enough to go to heaven or whether you go to the other place, a place of punishment, a hot place or whatever. Uh, so if that is the case, then the question is, where did that belief come from and do we have any authority about that? Well, one of the things that if you look through history long enough, you'll come up with is that there are some major uh, faith groups in the world, all of whom seem to believe that there is a heaven or hell, but they do differ in, in who they believe God is and how they believe God sees all these things. So, for instance, uh, Islam is a particularly uh, black and white view that everybody basically is going to go to hell, but a few good people or people who obey uh, Allah, who's their portrayal of God, will go to heaven. But it's a pretty violent, uh, indifferent, unknowable uh, God that Allah is. So if you're a Muslim, I would say obviously you believe the Quran and you accept what it teaches. But it is very different from the idea of reincarnation. There's no sense of reincarnation in Islam or any sense in which uh, people come back uh, in any other form. Uh, and so you get one life you either blow it and go to hell or you go to heaven. But you find that Allah basically has a bit of a whimsical way of deciding. So you may or may not, and you don't got no assurance either way. But you just do your best and try to keep the seven pillars of whatever they are. But I would say, when I've looked into these things, they are mostly saying that if you can accumulate enough brownie points then you will make it. Well, one of the things that we we find in the Bible is something called uh, the Judeo-Christian Bible, if you like. It's something called the Ten Commandments, which basically explain what God thinks is, if you like, the bare minimum by which you'll, you'll be able to get an assessment of whether you pass the test to go to heaven on your own merits. And that's the difference, I think, between 
the Christian view and the other worldviews is if you're going on your own merits, the Bible says there's the Ten Commandments, you know, you shall not steal, commit adultery, or even think about it, or lie, or uh, not make God, you know, you, you know, not worship God uh, as your creator, and, and not make idols of God. These sorts of things, not commit murder, or not want to commit murder. So the Ten Commandments basically is what the Bible calls the law. And if you break any one of those commandments, even in your mind, if you like, uh, the Bible says, well, you cannot go to heaven on your own merits. In fact, what the Bible does teach, and certainly Christianity, which is uh, about the coming of Jesus Christ, what he accomplished, says that the, the best that we can do is, is fail. Uh, even the very, very best people fail because we cannot live uh, a 100% good life because nobody could do that. But there is one person who can, because that is God himself. God knew that we have a problem, uh, that we're morally bankrupt, and given time, we 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 will probably uh, blow it. Uh, I've got patience, but eventually my patience runs out and I lose it. Uh, and you're probably the same. Some people have different degrees of patience, uh, a shorter fuse, if you like. But all of us will eventually blow it. And so even in those moments where you could say, you know, we tried our best, we still blow it. So God is a merciful and a passionate God. And the Bible teaches that he chose a way so that we who are morally bankrupt can go to heaven. And he chose to spin the courtroom around so that instead of us being in the dock, he puts somebody who is absolutely perfect, who has, if you like, the right on his own merits to go to heaven, to stand in our place as a substitute. And God says, okay, to the substitute, if you will go to hell for these other people because you are good and you have not done anything wrong, then I will give you the authority to let these other people who believe in you and receive the pardon that you're offering to go to heaven. And that, in fact, is what Jesus Christ did. Uh, the Bible says there is one God and one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. And through Christ, the Bible says that we have received the free gift of eternal life, if you like, heaven, uh, uh, to everyone who believes. And uh, a guy called Paul, the Apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. 
to anybody on the planet who simply just believes that Jesus Christ can give you eternal life because he took your place in the courtroom, in the judgment hall, on the cross, which is basically where God's judgment fell on Christ. And Christ went to hell for you. And then the Bible says after three days, God raised him up from the dead because he'd completely done everything he needed to do so that anyone on the planet, past, present or future, Christ could give a pardon to. So such is the overwhelming grace of God that he's died even for people who may choose not to believe and hence, you know, not even bother to take God up on his offer. But God says, if you believe, you'll receive Christ. The moment you do that, he's officially bringing you into his family, the family of God who will live with him in heaven. And so in a sense, heaven starts now and you can know that. And when that happens, the Bible says you're born again. You're born again by the Spirit of God and you, you begin to experience a new quality of life where the supernatural power of God becomes a reality. And so, instead of being just an academic thing, you know, a, a thing of interest, you actually end up realising that heaven is not so much a reward as a relationship. It's being in a place where you have a relationship with, with your Creator. And I did that myself back in 74, when I was a student. And I would say since then, I've experienced the reality of knowing, just knowing, really, that if I died at any point, I would go to heaven. Not because I'd memorised some uh, doctrine or catechism or, you know, sort of uh, statements, but because of this living way, this living relationship where you experience God uh, every day and talk to him every day. And uh, so I, I'm recommending to you that you would realise, yeah, there is a place called heaven. There is a place called hell. There is a way you could avoid hell because inevitably, if you are believing that you are good enough to go to hell on your own merits, then you're in for a shock because none of us is. You know, I would say, for instance, have you ever told a lie or thought of stealing something or committing, uh, you know, some act of adultery or whatever through lust? And if you've ever done any of those things, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know that you would never get to heaven on your own merits. But would you be humble enough to accept that you could receive a pardon from God because Christ has gone to hell for you and can offer you what the Bible calls redemption or salvation. And you uh, turn away from living your own life, turn away from uh, wanting to go your own way, and you're prepared to do a bit of uh, humble, humble, humbling yourself and following God's uh, leading, if you like. And uh, you can begin a relationship by talking to God and praying something like this. And if you want to do that, I've got to give you a chance to do that right now.
So you could just close your eyes or bow your head or just quiet yourself and just say something like this. Lord Jesus, thank you that uh, when you died on the cross, you died in my place and took the punishment for my wrongdoings. And I believe that that means I could have all my sins washed away, wiped by the the uh, cleansing that you could do with uh, the, the life that you gave, the blood that you shed. And I receive you into my life as my Lord and Saviour, my personal Saviour, my friend. And I believe that you uh, will make me a brand new person, that I will be born again by your Holy Spirit to have a relationship with you every day that begins now and takes me on to heaven after I die. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Now, if you prayed something like that, and you can rerun the, the, uh, the tape if you like, and repeat that prayer, uh, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, uh, you will be saved. So God says, uh, if you pray and confess that, if you say this, the same things I've just said, you will be saved. God will save you and you'll go to heaven. And that's so incredible. The Bible calls that good news. You know, instead of facing the prospect of definitely knowing after you die, you're going to go to the hot place. Who wants to go there? I, I don't. Uh, but to know that God fairly and justly has dealt with your wrongdoings and Hitler's, of course, and uh, and through Christ has set us free to, to go to heaven and to experience heaven in a way now. So although we, we don't have an absence of trials and tribulations in the world today, we do have the presence of a holy God actively living in our lives turning us into people who are kind of God's uh, secret agents if you like because <laughs> we know Jesus is real he is alive and he's, his love uh, is powerful very very powerful so I wish you have a good day a good night's sleep wherever you are uh, think about the things I've shared Obviously, you may have lots and lots of questions. Feel free to email me at hello at connectedradio.co.uk. In the meantime, from Jerry O'Connell and the Connected Radio Podcast, it's bye for now. Make this earthly voyage and 
sail through our life's sea of care. He gives me strength and faith and courage. He answers prayer. He is always there. Once I wasn't sure. Now I have his word. That he's got for me a place prepared. Though I may not understand. Before the world began, he had it planned. And time just really has no meaning. And this short life is just a breath. To know Christ as their Savior Shall not see death No, 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 no We must keep on going There's no time for slowing When you run the Christian race We must persevere Know that He is near we see him face to face When I'm facing trials Things which seem quite tough And I feel inside bad enough Well that's when it shows me how Can turn to joy if I trust Him now For every testing situation Is there to help my faith to grow And as I learn to trust my Father His love will show Others will know Of His all-sufficient grace how he sent his son to show his love And we ought all to tell the tale How if you trust in Christ he'll never fail And all around us there are people Who've never met the living word Gospel, if they never heard. Oh no, 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 no. We must keep on going. There's no time for slowing. When we won the Christian race. He is always with us. All we need, He'll give us. There's no limit to His grace. alone. Now I've got a friend, one who'll stick by me until the end. As I walk along the road, he is always there to bear my load. 
Or as I make this earthly voyage And sail through our last sea of care He gives me strength and faith and courage He answers prayer Don't forget that you could uh, stay in touch with the show Email us at any time or if you use the Anchor app could phone in your questions and we'll be very happy to play them and uh, uh, basically talk about them. So uh, in the meantime, until next time, Jerry O'Connell wishing you uh, a, a blessing. And if you did pray that prayer, I'd be so excited to hear uh, from you. Email questions or, or your story to hello at connectedradio.co.uk and we'll be able to send you some further information that you might find helpful. Okay, bye-bye for now.